For today's update, I want to talk to you about how born-again Christians, though suffering through many fiery trials, will be kept and protected and guarded until the very end. I think you would agree with me that as we near the last hour, when the trumpet sounds, that the hardships are becoming increasingly and infinitely more difficult. Would you agree with that? It's really evidenced by the many prayer requests that we're on the receiving end of, really from all over the world, people asking us to pray for very serious matters that people are suffering many, many fiery trials in these last days. I want to share with you a list, just give you a sort of a sampling of some of the requests that we receive for prayer. Relief from fear and discouragement, protection against spiritual attacks, spiritual warfare, miraculous healing for cancer in both children and adults, young children, hope and encouragement for pastors, one in particular in Brazil, sleep, <laughs> comfort and peace to the last until the rapture, just to make it, homelessness, with shelters on the mainland being full. Of course, this one, salvation of loved ones before the rapture, that's a biggie, always is. Respite and comfort for a weary soul. Healing for debilitating illness and chronic pain. Comfort for the brokenhearted. This is another biggie return of prodigal sons and wayward daughters, many of whom have gone into the LGBTQ lifestyle. And then this one, lastly, and this is really an abbreviated list, just to give you an idea, but comfort after the sudden and unexpected death of a loved one. And again, this is both young and old alike. The question becomes one of why it is that the closer we get to the end, the harder it gets for us as Christians in the end. And thankfully, the Word of God and the God of the Word are not silent on the matter, despite us being unable in the finite to know the ways and the whys of God. It is impossible. God is infinite, and His ways are too high for our understanding. His ways are not our ways, His thoughts not our thoughts. But when we don't know, we go to what we do know. And what we do know is that God promises to protect us 
and see us through to the end. Would you join me in 1 Peter and the first chapter? I want to begin reading in verse 3 and kind of share with you something the Lord really ministered to me. I hope it'll be an encouragement to you as it was and is to me. The Apostle Peter, by the Holy Spirit, is writing, he says, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Wow. I have an inheritance. And it's untouchable, imperishable. Nobody can corrupt it or defile it. It's preserved and it will not be taken away, fade away. And it's reserved preserved for me, for you, for those who are, verse 5, listen very carefully, protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Okay. Oh. Did you, should I read it again? Okay, so protect it. As some of your translations render it kept, guarded. It in the original carries with it the idea of a military garrison set up guarding. Oh by the power of God, through faith. Wait, what's the, what's the garrison? What's the guard? What's the protection? Me! <laughs> you! Sorry if I'm pointing. I, I should do this, maybe. We who are born again of the Spirit of God are protected by the power of God. That is a promise in the Word of God for you and for me. Verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. I don't really like that, because a little while, it's been a long while and greatly rejoice. By the way, if this sounds a little bit like what James said, consider it pure joy when you encounter various trials. That's because that's what Peter's saying too. You can greatly rejoice in your various trials. 
if necessary, apparently it's been necessary, even though now for a little while, wait, what? Oh, in light of eternity, it's a little while. Verse 7, here's why, by the way, so that the proof of your faith, not that we have to prove anything to God. No, we're being proven, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor. When? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Can't wait. Verse 8, and though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice. That's the second time He said that, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to get the impression that we are to greatly rejoice. With joy, how about this one, <laughs> inexpressible. In other words, you cannot adequately express the joy, pure joy, and full of glory, obtaining, verse 9, as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. In other words, <laughs> you have no idea what awaits you? Oh, I know right now you're going through it, but God's going to see you through it. He's guarding you. He's keeping you. He's protecting you. He will see you through, no matter what it is that you're going through, up until the very end, when Jesus Christ is revealed. The Apostle Peter is, in effect, echoing what the Apostle John was told by Jesus to write to the church in Philadelphia, and that's not in Pennsylvania, by the way, <laughs> which is actually a sign of the soon return of Jesus Christ in the rapture of the church prior to the seven-year tribulation. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 8, Jesus is commending them, saying, I know that you have little strength. I know that you're barely hanging on. I know that you're very battle-weary. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. He then goes on in verse 10 and 11 and says, Since you have kept my command, that's an important word. We've talked about it. Won't take the time today to get into it. You actually want it to be a command. To endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial or tribulation that is going to come on the whole world, the entire earth, to test 
the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon, verse 11. And that's an interesting word, by the way. We've talked about this. Maybe it would be appropriate to mention it again now. Some of your translations render the word soon quickly. I, Behold, I am coming quickly. In the original language, it's the Greek word takos, where we get our English word for the tachometers that we have in our cars. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm coming at a time when things are revving up, heating up. Because what is a tachometer? Oh, it's a set time, one minute, and it's a measurement, a gauge of revolutions per minute RPMs. And interesting, especially for those of you that are into the whole car thing. Sorry, ladies, just give us guys a second here. It's a guide thing. They have what they call a red line. You know what I'm talking about? Where, you know, if you, if you go too high on the RPMs, like the 5,000, 6,000, some of you are looking at me like, my, I wish my cart went that high. <laughs> but 5,000, 6,000 RPMs, you red line, and if you go too high, things going to blow up. Ah, oh, I like that. Because when it blows up, we go up. I'm just saying. I am coming quickly. I am coming soon. I'm coming at a time when things are going to rev up, heat up, speed up. Hold on. Hold on to what you have, so that no one will take your crown. On Thursday night, in our study through Jeremiah, we looked at how it is that the Lord will always prepare us for the greater trials that await us, specifically by way of God sending footmen in order that He might ready us and steady us for the horsemen that He knows are coming, and they're coming. <laughs> Here's Jeremiah in chapter 12, and he basically asks the same question that the psalmist Asaph asks in Psalm 73, Why is it, Lord? that you allow the wicked to prosper and the righteous to suffer. It makes no sense. It does not reconcile. You have to understand that Jeremiah had just learned of a death threat on his life. And if that weren't bad enough, it was from his own hometown of Anathoth. And if that weren't bad enough, it started with his own family that hatched this plot to take his life. There was a threat on his life. And they were threatening him, saying to him, stop prophesying, or we'll kill you. You better stop doing prophecy updates. I, just to bring it into a... <laughs> a 
And Jeremiah is just, I mean, first of all, he's, he's so hurt, obviously, and he's devastated. And he's inquiring ever, ever so humbly of the Lord, Lord, why is it that the wicked prosper and evil seems to continue and wax worse with impunity, while the righteous, those who are walking righteously, uprightly, pleasing in your sight, serving you, why do we suffer and they don't? Well, God answers this question basically in the same way that He answers Asaph's question. If you're struggling with that, I don't think there's a one of us that doesn't at one time or another in our walk with the Lord struggle with that. I would really encourage you to spend some time in Psalm 73, because at the end of the Psalm, <laughs> Asaph goes into the sanctuary of the Lord, always a good thing to do. And the Lord shows him their end. And he goes from being envious of them, wondering about them, to feeling sorry for them. And that's basically what God does for Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I love you so much. I know that you don't know what I'm doing, but I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I know it doesn't make sense to you. I, I know you don't understand why it is that the more righteous you are, the more of a heart you have for the Lord, the more difficult it is. And here's the wicked, the unrighteous, and they seem to be prospering. It's been rightly said, I'm doubtless you've heard it said, that for the non-Christian, this is the most heaven they'll ever know. And conversely, for the Christian, this is the most hell we'll ever know. If you really let that sink in, it's really kind of heartbreaking, actually. So what are you saying? Well, I suppose you could say that one of the main purposes of those trials in our lives is that God is preparing us for that which is prepared for us. And I'll take it a step further and suggest that in this, the last hour, God is allowing evil to seemingly prosper so as to ready us for eternity. In other words, those who do not know Jesus are coming to Jesus, and those who do know Jesus are getting ready for Jesus. Truth be made known, and I want you to think this through, it's the difficulty and the hardships, the pain and the suffering that God uses for our good and His glory in the end. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Romans in chapter 8, verse 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time 
are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. It, it's, it's, it's not even in the same realm. We commonly refer to something like this as, well, that's not an apple to apple comparison. Well, the sufferings of this present time, though for a little while, if necessary, those various fiery trials, it's not to be compared. It's not a, it's not a apple to apple comparison. It's like comparing an apple with a planet in another universe. That's the best I got. So you're going to have to take that one. And if you got a better one, let me know. I'm happy to consider it. And, and again, think about it. We, we go through what we go through for, and we're going to be talking about this, by the way, in James today, Lord willing. We go through what we go through in the time that we're here in this world. And as difficult and as hard as it is, which by the way, may have been the very thing that brought you to the Lord in the first place. In other words, had it not been for that difficulty, that pain, that suffering, that trial, that hardship, you would have never came to Christ, maybe never came back to Christ. That's what brought you to Him or back to Him. And that might be why God allowed it to happen. But let's say we live to be 70. Is that, is that a good number? Why are you laughing? Do we need to go higher than that? Because some of you are, we better go higher? Okay, fine. How, how much? 80? Is 80 good? You guys good with 80? 80? Going once, going twice. <laughs> okay, you live to be 80 years old. Let's just try to take that number 80 and let's compare it to Oh, forever. <laughs> Did that work? Because you know how long eternity is, right? <laughs> it's for eternity. And that's deeply profound. It never ends. So, so let me see if I got this straight. So I'm going to live to be 80. <laughs> I hope the rapture's way before that. but. I'm going to live to be 80. And let's just say for purpose of discussion that my 80 years are riddled with nothing but pain and suffering. But I'm saved. And my salvation is reserved, my inheritance secured for all eternity. That's a good deal. That's a great deal. Maybe I'll greatly rejoice. Okay, we still have a problem. The problem is that we're still in that present time of sufferings. And it's seemingly getting more difficult with each passing day. Well, I want to spend the remainder of our time expounding on that more specifically why it is and how it is that we may very well be in store for tougher trials ahead.
leading right up until the rapture. But in order to do that, we'll go ahead at this time and end the live stream on Facebook and YouTube. Now, by way of a preface, I think I would be grossly remiss were I not to address those who would contend that, hey, things are actually starting to get better. What is your problem, Pastor? I mean, things are starting to return to normal, even if it is a new normal. After all, Roe v. Wade got overturned. Mask mandates and restrictions got lifted. I mean, overall, it could be argued that the trajectory globally is starting to look pretty good. So what's your problem? Well, I've got a lot of problems, but I'm not going to tell you what my problems are. And one problem I have is that I have to respectfully disagree. And here's why. Bible prophecy says the opposite. By virtue of the fact that in the last days there is no spiritual revival of the faith, rather there's a turning away from the faith. We'll talk more about that more in a moment in 1 Timothy. But let's start with the Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade. Three words, praise the Lord. Okay. However, Pastor, that's four words. I know, but there's a however. I don't think that this is what we think it is. I have to confess that something just doesn't smell quite right. And I can't quite put my finger on it, which is why I'm keeping my eye on it. As of now, I have no less than two concerns, the first of which is that this seems to be yet like we need another one, <laughs> another textbook case of divide and conquer. And secondly, perhaps more importantly, as I continue to seek the Lord on this, the greater concern has to do with the connection to vaccine mandates. Please hang in there with me. Someone sent me an interesting blog post written by a Stephanie Braille, who is not a professing Christian. And from what I can tell, she is also pro-choice. The title of her blog is Roe v. Wade and Vaccine Mandates, and is subtitled Why Overturning Roe v. Wade is Bad News for bodily autonomy. Here's a few quotes that I found to be very thought-provoking from a non-believer's viewpoint. Quoting, 
I think there's an important point to be considered when we look at the potential fallout of the overturn of Roe v. Wade. And that is the issue of bodily autonomy. After the decision was leaked, I went to read comments on various boards and blogs to see what people were saying. I also spoke to a few friends of mine in chat. One of them was truly excited because she is a very loving, kind woman who is very much against abortion. Another was a conservative friend of mine, which tells me she's a liberal, which I hate that, by the way. Ah, I went there, didn't I? Let me just close that file real quick. Don't look at people as liberal or conservative or Republican or Democrat or right or left or stop that. Either one is saved or one is lost. Whenever we, we do that and we, uh, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. Let me get back. Another was a conservative friend of mine, pro-life, mind you, still quoting, who thought that the whole thing was a manufactured diversion meant to instigate an angry summer of fire. But the comment that really caught my eye was the following. It's not a distraction. It's the end of the my body, my choice argument, so that they can medically do anything they want to you. Roll up your sleeve. Yep. I think this is what it's really about. And they, the powers that be, are willing and more than happy to drop abortion protections on a federal level. That's important, by the way. That's why I say this is not what we think it is. In order to justify mandating anything that they want to do to our bodies, whether it's forcing a birth, forcing an abortion, forcing sterilization, or forcing vaccination. For almost 50 years, I want you to hang on to that. This is going to come up again and be germane to our understanding. For almost 50 years, Roe v. Wade has prevailed half a century, only to be overturned now when we have vaccine mandates as a major issue? Sorry, not a coincidence. I actually read this blog a couple of times through, and I have to say that if what the writer is suggesting is true, then it starts to make a little bit of sense. And by that I mean people will have no choice as to what they do or don't do with their bodies, or what they take out or put into their bodies. Does that make sense? Hmm. 
This then could lead to forced medical procedures, chiefly vaccine mandates, which, as we've talked about in prior updates, will at some point in the seven-year tribulation, with the technology that now exists, be linked to the image of the beast, the worship of the beast, vis-a-vis -vis the mark of the beast. That's in the tribulation. Here's where I'm going with all of this. The fact remains that every single prophecy in the Bible is in play today and in real time. There, let me say it a different way, the same thing a different way. There is not one prophecy in the Bible that is not in play today. Every single one of them simultaneously is in play as we speak. Now, I realize we commonly say things like, the stage is being set. But I believe with all my heart that the curtain is about to be drawn. And the reason I believe this is because, again, there's not one thing that is taking place in the world today that does not have prophetic implications. What follows is a list of just some, not all, of the prophecies that, as we speak in real time, are in play and beginning to come to pass exactly as we are told in God's Word they would. Now, the key word in all of this is the word simultaneously. Simultaneously. Number one, this is in no particular order, unprecedented global deception. I'll give you the scripture references. You can look them up in your own time in God's Word, Matthew 24, 4. Revelation 18, 23, 2 Thessalonians 2, 10 and 11. Number two, wars and rumors or threats of wars, Matthew 24, 6. And number three, increased earthquake frequency and intensity, Matthew 24, 7. All of the above Jesus likened to birth pains. You can add to that famines, pestilence, nation rising up against nation, invading nations, kingdom against kingdom, racial uprisings. Number four, again, this is an abbreviated list, an allied invasion of Israel led by Russia, Iran, and Turkey, Ezekiel 38. Number five, global quest for peace and security, 1 Thessalonians 5.3. Number six, an intoxicating obsession with dividing Jerusalem, Zechariah 12, 1 through 3. Number seven, 
Very interesting. You know it well, Daniel 9.27, the confirming of a seven-year peace agreement, which will commence the seven-year tribulation. It's important to understand that the rapture does not start the seven-year tribulation. The fulfillment of Daniel 9.27 starts the seven-year tribulation. Now here's what's interesting, and you probably heard about this breaking news. Israel's government collapsed again. Did you hear about this? Check this out. It is now setting up a fifth election in three years. For the first time in Israel's history of 74 years. Let's bring Roe v. Wade back on the table. 50 years, 74 years. Good thing we're living to be 80 years old, I guess, huh? The first time in the history of Israel since its rebirth as a nation, which fulfilled what many Bible teachers believe to be the most important prophecy in all of the Bible, was the rebirth of the nation Israel. May 14, 1948. It gets better or worse, depending on how you want to look at it. Number eight, the forming of a global religion, government, and economy. This is Revelation 17 and 18. It's also Revelation 13, verses 11 through 18. Um, hang in there with me. There's two things I want to bring into the discussion again on this one. Uh, you probably heard about the Georgia Guidestones. Did you hear about what happened? Uh, well, they no longer exist now because somebody or something or whoever or whatever destroyed one of the pillars, and then they just tore the whole thing down under the banner of safety, you know. So they just but, but very interesting, because of what was on those guidestones, and when those guidestones were erected 42 years ago. So 50 years, 74 years, and now 42 years, okay? Um, one has referred to what was on them in, I think it was something like eight different languages. The Ten Commandments of the Antichrist, starting with the first one, which is a global genocide. And it starts with the word maintain <laughs> the global population in balance with nature at 500 million. Ooh. You're going to have to kill a lot of people. If my calculations are correct, that's something like 93 plus percent of the global population today has to be eliminated in order to accomplish just the first one. Uh, another one, world court, rule, government. And then there's something very conspicuous 
about these. And of course, it's riddled with mystery and controversy and conspiracy. Because you see, they carved on these stones the year that it was, and then it doesn't tell you the year. And then it also says that underneath, oh, perfect, six feet under. I remember hearing one guy say the reason why they implemented arbitrarily six feet apart social distancing. Oh, you made the connection, didn't you? Please tell me you did. Six feet under. Six, six, not, not seven. And, and certainly not five, not five, six. So on the stones it said, uh, six feet under is a time capsule, but then it doesn't say where. It's just left blank. <laughs> 42 years. Here's another one for you. CERN, are you familiar with what CERN is? Okay, good. Well, they call it a Hadron Collider, if I'm even pronouncing it right. But it's supposed to open up a portal into another dimension. Well, simultaneously with everything else, they started it up for the third time. Do you know when they started construction on this thing they call CERN, which has got 666 all over it, by the way? And some actually suggest that it's the fulfillment of Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, when the abyss is opened, that portal is opened and these demons come out, locusts, and I mean it, they connect with hell basically, and all the demons of hell. Construction began on May 17th of 1954, 68 years ago. Again, good thing we're going to live to be 80, right? Because you got 50, you got 74, you got 42, and now you got 68. I, I know there are mathematicians, and I have a great deal of respect for those that are, but I just wonder what are the statistical odds of all of these things simultaneously within a period of maybe Oh, one week, let's give it two weeks, two weeks. Things that have been in place for 70, 68 years, 74 years, 50 years. Now? Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Oh, you guys did that good. <laughs> two more. Number nine. We talk about this often as well. The mocking of Bible prophecy and the pre-tribulation rapture. This is Second Peter 3. And number 10, the aforementioned turning away from the truth 
and following doctrines of demons. This is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. So again, an abbreviated list of all of the prophecies that are in play today. And we just got done reading the promises in God's Word, where God says, yeah, I know it's going to get pretty, <laughs> pretty bad right up until the end, but I got you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to keep you. I'm going to see you through. I know it doesn't look like you're going to make it through this one. I know it's really bad, but I got this. And oh, by the way, um, you take heart and you be encouraged, because you know what all of this means? All of this means is we are so close. I mean, can we just go back to the statistical odds of just my abbreviated list? And it's an abbreviated list. There are so many more things all simultaneously happening now, now. They've been in place for years, decades, now, just in time. Everything's right on schedule. <laughs> and, nah. Okay, I'll, I'll save it for another time, in the interest of time. But everything is perfectly on time. Everything prophetically is going perfectly according to God's prophetic plan. And we are, I mean, in the last hour. And you take heart. I know you're battle weary. You have little strength. But you know what awaits you? You got this trust fund. I mean, no attorney's going to touch it. No one's going to contest it. It's going to be, it's undefilable. Is that a word? Let's just say that's a word. It's, it's uncorruptible. It's untouchable. It's preserved, reserved for you. And by the way, I, I've got a lot invested in you, by the way, because it cost me everything. Because you are not your own, but you are purchased with a price. You're that pearl of great price that cost me everything to get, to buy, to purchase, to pay for in full. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the bottom line. There's little time left. I know I say this all the time, but please, We've got to get Jesus to people, and people to Jesus as fast as we possibly can. There is no more time. We need to get the gospel, the good news of salvation, found in the person of Jesus Christ to as many people as we possibly can. What is the gospel? It's very simple. Jesus came and He died in our place to pay for our sins. He was buried and He rose again on the third day, and He's coming back again one day. Good news. 
That's what the word gospel means, good news. Your debt has been paid, you're free to go. And whom the Son has set free is free indeed. We use the ABCs only because it's just a simple, childlike, simple explanation of salvation. It's not a formula. You don't have to do it exactly this way. But it's just like a template. The A is for admit or acknowledge that you sinned. <laughs> because unless and until you acknowledge that you're a sinner, why would you have any interest in a Savior? Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's actually what the word sin means, missing the mark, falling short. It's an archery term. When you would shoot the arrow, if you missed the bullseye, they would say, you missed the mark, you sinned, you fell short. And we've all missed the bullseye of God's perfect standard of righteousness. We've all sinned and fallen short. Now Romans 6.23, thank you God for Romans 6.23, <laughs> because it packages the bad news first with the good news. What's the bad news? Well, there's a penalty for the sin and all of sin. What's the penalty? It's the death penalty. For the wage of sin is death. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now stay with me on this. So I've been sentenced to death. I'm guilty as charged. I've broken God's law. I fell short of His perfect standard of righteousness and transgressed. And now I'm going to be sentenced to death. And then Jesus says, I'll go to my death in your place. You will? Yeah. And I'll die for you, and then I'll offer to you the gift that I paid for you, which is the gift of eternal life. I'll pay for it. What's it going to cost? My life. But I'll pay for it in full, and I'll offer you the gift that I paid for, the gift of eternal life. The B is for believe in your heart. And this is central. It's actually even simpler than ABC. It's as simple as B. Just believe. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe and get baptized and fill out an application and get a license and join a church and start tithing to the church and I'm sorry for that, but you get the point, right? No. Whosoever would believe, would be saved, would not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And then lastly, to see, it's for call 
upon the name of the Lord, or as Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And Romans 10, 13 lastly says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I implore you today, if you're in this church that I'm so very privileged to pastor, or watching online and you've never believed in your heart, put your trust in the Lord and called upon Him, I implore you today, today is the day of salvation, the day to make the most important decision of your life for eternal life. Before we get to today's But God testimony, which is a wow, <laughs> I want to share with you from Scripture the best But God ever. And it's in Romans 5, 8 and 9. But God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. Oh, but God changes everything. Those two words, but God. Well, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you today's But God testimony. It comes from Gail Price and her daughter Rochelle. They're from Independence, Missouri. She writes, the testimonies at the end of your sermons are always a blessing. I wanted to share this wonderful experience that my daughter and I recently had. We have a local park that is 86 acres. We have been working with the park director for over a year for the installation of two memorial park benches. Each was to have a memorial plaque added. I have become very familiar with the layout of this large park and sent pictures of only two locations I suggested that the benches be installed. My daughter, Rochelle and I went to the park on Mother's Day to see the final installation. To our surprise, we were approached by a young man who asked about the one bench and said that he had lost his daughter of five years old in an apartment fire, and he laid some of her ashes in the location of that exact one bench. He expressed the shock and joy that he felt when all of a sudden one day when I came back to sit here across the lake from that spot, a bench appeared. He was pleased to hear the story of the young Marine, Mark, whose name it bared. These two pictures are Mark's bench where his daughter's ashes lay. Mark was my daughter's fiance. And he died at 30 years old on his bed on his birthday. 
and the day he was to come home on leave to do all his legal paperwork and pick out a ring. Mark suffered a heart attack on his birthday and dropped in the middle of mourning cadence. Rochelle and I, both being nurses and Rochelle a chemist, we pursued with the coroner any and all possible causes. Mark had just received multiple vaccines in preparation for deployment. We brought him home to Kansas City, Missouri by medical ambulance, and he officially died four days later of complete organ failure. He never regained consciousness and remained on a ventilator. And so the vaccine questions began. We promptly emailed the park director and asked that a memorial be added to the bench with the name of his daughter, <laughs> the five-year-old that di died in an apartment fire. This man also discussed his faith and how he had just recently been saved. <laughs> I asked him to go to the other bench that had the website for jdfarag.org so that he could grow in his faith. It was an amazing experience, and I could not help but feel the Holy Spirit was directing my request for placement of the one bench specifically to honor this little girl as well, in a park of 86 acres. It seems shocking that we placed a bench right where it was important to this young man. Great timing for my daughter and her Marine, since it was around the 4th of July. Thank you, God. And thank you, JD, for your endless patience with us as we continue to grow and learn how we can inspire and share. We know God is always working, and when we walk in the Spirit, we see His ways at work much more clearly. And then she says this, as this world gets darker and the spiritual attacks intensify, it is such a tremendous comfort to have a church family like yours to weather the storm. I found Pastor J.D. not long after Mark's passing and was completely unaware of the nearness of the rapture. It has brought my broken heart joy to know I'll be reunited with my love soon. We tell others about Jesus wherever we go. Bless you, Gail and Rochelle Price. Praise the Lord. Where's Capono? Why don't you go ahead and stand up. We'll have Capono has left the building, I guess. Oh, there you are. You're not supposed to do that to me, you know. <laughs> oh, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so Oh, Lord, I know there are so many that are having such a hard time. And and it just seems to continue to get even more difficult. But God, You promised us that when that happens, 
it would mean one thing, and that's that our redemption draws nigh. So Lord, first I just want to pray, first and foremost for anyone who does not know You, that today would be the day of their salvation. And then second, I want to pray for those who do know You, but are really struggling and really hurting. The Lord, You, as only You can, would encourage and strengthen with that supernatural peace that surpasses all human understanding, the power of the Holy Spirit to greatly rejoice despite the trials. Oh Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit. Baptize us afresh. Fill us anew. Pour out Your Holy Spirit upon us. Oh Lord, we need You. Lord, thank You. Thank You for Your promise to us. And that if it were not so, You would not have told us that You go to prepare a place for us. Oh, Lord Jesus, come quickly, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.